Chapter 4, Part 3 of Aviation Instructor's Handbook by the FAA. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Cooperative or Group Learning Method Cooperative or Group Learning organizes students into small groups who can work together to maximize their own and each other's learning. Research indicates that students completing cooperative learning group tasks tend to have higher test scores, higher self-esteem, improved social skills, and greater comprehension of the subjects they are studying. Perhaps the most significant characteristic of group learning is that it continually requires active participation of the student in the learning process. Conditions and Controls In spite of its advantages, success with cooperative or group learning depends on conditions and controls. First of all, Instructors need to begin planning early to determine what the student group is expected to learn and to be able to do on their own. The group task may emphasize academic achievement, cognitive abilities, or physical skills, but the instructor must use clear and specific learning objectives to describe the knowledge and or abilities the students are to acquire and then demonstrate on their own. The following conditions and controls are useful for cooperative learning but do not need to be used every time an instructor assigns a group learning project. 1. Small, heterogeneous groups. 2. Clear, complete instructions of what students are to do, in what order, with what materials, and, when appropriate, what students are to do as evidence of their mastery of targeted content and skills. 3. Student perception of targeted objectives as their own personal objectives. 4 the opportunity for student success. Five, student access to and comprehension of required information. Six, sufficient time for learning. Seven, individual accountability. Eight, recognition and rewards for group success. Nine, time after completion of group tasks for students to systematically reflect upon how they worked together as a team. In practice, cooperative or group learning in aviation training is normally modified to adapt to school policy or for other valid reasons. For example, collaborative, student-led, instructor-led, or working group strategies are alternatives to a pure form of group learning. In these examples, the student leader or the instructor serves as a coach or facilitator who interacts with the group as necessary to keep it on track or to encourage everyone in the group to participate. Demonstration Performance Method Best used for the mastery of mental or physical skills that require practice, the demonstration performance method is based on the principle that people learn by doing. In this method, students observe the skill and then try to reproduce it. It is well suited for the aircraft maintenance instructor who uses it in the shop to teach welding, and the flight instructor who uses it in teaching piloting skills. Every instructor should recognize the importance of student performance in the learning process. Early in a lesson that is to include demonstration and performance, the instructor should identify the most important learning outcomes. Next, explain and demonstrate the steps involved in performing the skill being taught. Then, allow students time to practice each step so they can increase their ability to perform the skill. The demonstration performance method is divided into five phases, explanation, demonstration, 
student performance, instructor supervision, and evaluation, figure 4-15. Explanation phase. Explanations must be clear, pertinent to the objectives of the particular lesson to be presented, and based on the known experience and knowledge of the students. In teaching a skill, the instructor must convey to the students the precise actions they are to perform. In addition to the necessary steps, the instructor should describe the end result of these efforts. Before leaving this phase, the instructor should encourage students to ask questions about any step of the procedure that they do not understand. Demonstration phase. The instructor must show students the actions necessary to perform a skill. As little extraneous activity as possible should be included in the demonstration if students are clearly to understand the instructor is actually performing the actions previously explained. If, due to some unanticipated circumstances, the demonstration does not closely conform to the explanation, this deviation should be immediately acknowledged and explained. Student Performance and Instructor Supervision Phases because these two phases, which involve separate actions, are performed concurrently, they are discussed here under a single heading. The first of these phases is the student's performance of the physical or mental skills that have been explained and demonstrated. The second activity is the instructor's supervision. Student performance requires students to act and do. To learn skills, students must practice. The instructor must, therefore, allot enough time for meaningful student activity. Through doing, students learn to follow correct procedures and to reach established standards. It is important that students be given an opportunity to perform the skill as soon as possible after demonstration. In flight training, the instructor may allow the student to follow along on the controls during the demonstration of a maneuver. Immediately thereafter, the instructor should have the student attempt to perform the maneuver, coaching as necessary. In the opening scenario, students performed a task, weight and balance computation, as a group, and prior to terminating the performance phase, they were allowed to independently complete the task at least once with supervision and coaching as necessary. Evaluation phase. In this phase, the instructor judges student performance. The student displays whatever competence has been attained, and the instructor discovers just how well a skill has been learned. To test each student's ability to perform, the instructor requires students to work independently throughout this phase and make some comment on how each performed the skill relative to the way it was taught. From this measurement of student achievement, the instructor determines the effectiveness of the instruction. Drill and Practice Method a time-honored training delivery method, drill and practice, is based on the learning principle of exercise discussed in Chapter 2, which holds that connections are strengthened with practice. It promotes learning through repetition because those things most often repeated are best remembered. The human mind rarely retains, evaluates, and applies new concepts or practices after a single exposure. Students do not learn to weld during one shop period or to perform crosswind landings during one instructional flight. They learn by applying what they have been told and shown. Each time practice occurs, learning continues. Effective use of drill and practice revolves around knowing what skill is being developed. The instructor must provide opportunities for students to practice and, at this time, make sure that this practice is directed toward a learning objective. Conclusion 
A successful instructor needs to be familiar with as many teaching methods as possible. Although lecture and demonstration performance may be the methods used most often, being aware of other methods and teaching tools, such as guided discussion, cooperative learning, and computer-assisted learning, better prepares an instructor for a wide variety of teaching situations. Obviously, the aviation instructor is the key to effective teaching, and experienced instructor's knowledge and skill regarding methods of instruction may be compared to a maintenance technician's toolbox. The instructor's tools are teaching methods. Just as the technician uses some tools more than others, the instructor uses some methods more often than others. As is the case with the technician, there are times when a less used tool is the exact tool needed for a particular situation. The instructor's success is determined to a large degree by the ability to organize material and to select and utilize a teaching method appropriate to a particular lesson. Application of the lesson. Application is student use of the instructor's presented material. If it is a classroom presentation, the student may be asked to explain the new material. If it is a new flight maneuver, the student may be asked to perform the maneuver that has just been demonstrated. In most instructional situations, the instructor's explanation and demonstration activities are alternated with student performance efforts. Usually, the instructor has to interrupt the student's efforts for corrections and further demonstrations. This is necessary because it is very important that each student perform the maneuver or operation the right way the first few times to establish a good habit. Faulty habits are difficult to correct and must be addressed as soon as possible. Flight instructors in particular must be aware of this problem, since students often do a lot of their practice without an instructor. Only after reasonable competence has been demonstrated should the student be allowed to practice certain maneuvers on solo flights. Periodic review and assessment by the instructor is necessary to ensure that the student has not acquired any bad habits. As the student becomes proficient with the fundamentals of flight and aircraft maneuvers or maintenance procedures, the instructor should increasingly emphasize ADM as a means of applying what has been previously learned. For example, the flight student may be asked to plan for the arrival at a specific non-towered airport. The planning should take into consideration the wind conditions, arrival paths, communication procedures, available runways, recommended traffic patterns, and courses of action in the event that the unexpected occurs. Upon arrival at the airport, the student makes decisions, with guidance and feedback as necessary, to safely enter and fly the traffic pattern. Assessment of the lesson. Before the end of the instructional period, the instructor should review what has been covered during the lesson and require the students to demonstrate how well the lesson objectives have been met. Review and assessment are integral parts of each classroom and or flight lesson. The instructor's assessment may be informal and recorded only for the instructor's own use in planning the next lesson for the students, or it may be formal. More often, the assessment is formal and results recorded to certify the student's progress in the course. Assessment is explored in more detail in Chapter 5. Instructional Aids and Training Technologies Instructional aids are devices that assist the instructor in the teaching-learning process. Instructional aids are not self-supporting. They support, supplement, or reinforce what is being taught. In contrast, training media are generally described as any physical means that communicates an instructional message to the students. 
For example, the instructor's voice, printed text, video cassettes, interactive computer programs, part task trainers, flight training devices or flight simulators, and numerous other types of training devices are considered training media. In school settings, the instructor may become involved in the selection and preparation of instructional aids, but they often are already in place. For the independent instructor setting, the instructor may need to select and prepare instructional aids. Whatever the setting, instructors need to learn how to effectively use them. Instructional Aid Theory For many years, educators have theorized about how the human brain and the memory function during the communicative process. There is general agreement about certain factors that seem pertinent to understanding the use of instructional aids. During the communicative process, the sensory register of the memory acts as a filter. As stimuli are received, the individual's sensory register works to sort out the important bits of information from the routine or less significant bits. Within seconds, what is perceived as the most important information is passed to the working or short-term memory where it is processed for possible storage in the long-term memory. This complex process is enhanced by the use of appropriate instructional aids that highlight and emphasize the main points or concepts. The working or short-term memory functions are limited by both time and capacity. Therefore, it is essential that the information be arranged in useful bits or chunks for effective coding, rehearsal, or recording. The effectiveness of the instructional aid is critical for this process. Carefully selected charts, graphs, pictures, or other well-organized visual aids are examples of items that help the student understand as well as retain essential information. Ideally, instructional aids should be designed to cover the key points and concepts. In addition, the coverage should be straightforward and factual so it is easy for students to remember and recall. Generally, instructional aids that are relatively simple are best suited for this purpose. Reasons for use of instructional aids In addition to helping students remember important information, instructional aids have other advantages. When properly used, they help gain and hold the attention of students. Audio or visual aids can be very useful in supporting a topic, and the combination of both audio and visual stimuli is particularly effective since the two most important senses are involved. Instructors should keep in mind they are often salesmen of ideas, and many of the best sales techniques that attract the attention of potential clients are well worth considering. One caution, the instructional aid should keep student attention on the subject. It should not be a distracting gimmick. Clearly, a major goal of all instruction is for the student to be able to retain as much knowledge of the subject as possible, especially the key points. Numerous studies have attempted to determine how well instructional aids serve this purpose. Indications from the studies vary greatly, from modest results, which show a 10 to 15% increase in retention, to more optimistic results, in which retention is increased by as much as 80%. Figure 4-16. Good instructional aids also can help solve certain language barrier problems. Consider the continued expansion of technical terminology in everyday usage. This, coupled with culturally diverse backgrounds of today's students, makes it necessary for instructors to be precise in their choice of terminology. Words or terms used in an instructional aid should be carefully selected to convey the same meaning for the student as they do for the instructor. 
They should provide an accurate visual image and make learning easier for the student. Another use for instructional aids is to clarify the relationships between material objects and concepts. When relationships are presented visually, they are often much easier to understand. For example, the subsystems within a physical unit are relatively easy to relate to each other through the use of schematics or diagrams. Symbols, graphs, and diagrams can also show relationships of location, size, time, frequency, and value. By symbolizing the factors involved, it is even possible to visualize abstract relationships. Instructors are frequently asked to teach more and more in a smaller time frame. Instructional aids can help them do this. For example, instead of using many words to describe a sound, object, or function, the instructor plays a recording of the sound, shows a picture of the object, or presents a diagram of the function. Consequently, the student learns faster and more accurately, and the instructor saves time in the process. Guidelines for Use of Instructional Aids The use of any instructional aid must be planned based on its ability to support a specific point in a lesson. A simple process can be used to determine if and where instructional aids are necessary. Clearly establish the lesson objective. Be certain of what is to be communicated. Gather the necessary data by researching for support material. Organize the material into an outline or lesson plan. The plan should include all key points that need to be covered. This may include important safety considerations. Select the ideas to be supported with instructional aids. The aids should be concentrated on the key points. Aids are often appropriate when long segments of technical descriptions are necessary, when a point is complex and difficult to put into words, when instructors find themselves forming visual images, or when students are puzzled by an explanation or description. Aids should be simple and compatible with the learning outcomes to be achieved. Obviously, an explanation of elaborate equipment may require detailed schematics or mock-ups, but less complex equipment may lend itself to only basic shapes or figures. Since aids are normally used in conjunction with a verbal presentation, words on the aid should be kept to a minimum. In many cases, visual symbols and slogans can replace in-depth explanations. The instructor should avoid the temptation to use the aids as a crutch. The tendency toward unnecessarily distracting artwork also should be avoided. Instructional aids should appeal to the student and be based on sound principles of instructional design. When practical, they should encourage student participation. They also should be meaningful to the student, lead to the desired behavioral or learning objectives, and provide appropriate reinforcement. Aids that involve learning a physical skill should guide students toward mastery of the skill or task specified in the lesson objective. Instructional aids have no value in the learning process if they cannot be heard or seen. Recordings of sounds and speeches should be tested for correct volume and quality in the actual environment in which they will be used. Visual aids must be visible to the entire class. All lettering and illustrations must be large enough to be easily seen by the students farthest from the aids. Colors, when used, should provide clear contrast and easily be visible. The usefulness of aids can be improved by proper sequencing to build on previous learning. Frequently, good organization and natural patterns of logic dictate the sequence. However, 
use of standardized materials, including a syllabus, is recommended. Sequencing also can be enhanced simply by using overlays on transparencies, stripping techniques on charts and chalk or marker boards, and by imaginative use of magnetic boards. Sequencing can be emphasized and made clearer by the use of contrasting colors. The effectiveness of aids and the ease of their preparation can be increased by initially planning for them in rough draft form. Revisions and alterations are easier to make at that time than after their completion. The rough draft should be carefully checked for technical accuracy, proper terminology, grammar, spelling, basic balance, clarity, and simplicity. Instructional aids should also be reviewed to determine whether their use is feasible in the training environment and whether they are appropriate for the students. Figure 4-17. In practice, the choice of instructional aids depends on several factors. Availability, feasibility, or cost may impose realistic limitations. The number of students in a class and the existing facilities are other considerations. In some school situations, the designers of the curriculum determine the use of instructional aids. In this case, the instructor may have little control over their use. On the other hand, an independent instructor may have considerable latitude but limited resources. Often instructors must improvise and adapt to the existing circumstances in order to incorporate quality instructional aids. Types of instructional aids. Some of the most common and economical aids are chalk or marker boards and supplemental print materials, including charts, diagrams, and graphs. Other aids, which are usually more expensive, are projected materials, video, computer-based programs, and models, mock-ups, or cutaways. Chalk or marker board. The chalk or marker board is a widely used tool for instructors. Its versatility and effectiveness provide several advantages for most types of instruction. First, the material presented can be erased, allowing the surface to be used again and again. And second, the boards serve as an excellent medium for joint student-instructor activity in the classroom. The following practices are fundamental to the use of chalk or marker boards. Keep the chalk or marker board clean. Erase all irrelevant material. Keep chalk, markers, erasers, cleaning cloths, rulers, and related items readily available to avoid interruption of the presentation. Organize and practice the chalk or marker board presentation in advance. Write or draw large enough for everyone in the group to see. Leave a margin around the material and sufficient space between lines of copy so the board is not overcrowded. Present material simply and briefly. Make only one point at a time. A complete outline tends to distract students and makes a logical presentation difficult. If writing has been previously prepared, it should be covered and then revealed one step at a time. If necessary, use a ruler, compass, or other devices in marker drawings. Use colored chalk or marker for emphasis. Underline statements for emphasis. Use the upper part of the board. In many classrooms, students may not be able to see the lower half. Stand to one side of the board to avoid hiding the essential information. Use a pointer when appropriate. Adjust lighting as necessary to remove glare. Supplemental print material. Print media, including photographs, reproductions of pictures, drawings, murals, cartoons, and other print materials are valuable supplemental aids. 
Charts, diagrams, and graphs are also in this category. Many of these items are suitable for long-term use on bulletin boards and in briefing areas. Pictures, drawings, and photographs are especially effective because they provide common visual imagery for both instructors and students. In addition, they also provide realistic details necessary for visual recognition of important subject material. In many cases, this type of supplemental training media may be reproduced in a format for projection on a screen or other clean surface. Charts, diagrams, and graphs include any printed material which gives information in tabular form. There are several types of charts that can be used in presenting data, such as pie charts, flow charts, and organizational charts, among others. The type of chart selected for use depends largely on the type of information the instructor wants to convey. An important factor is chart format. Since charts may consist of a series of single sheets or be tied together in a flip chart format with several pages, the location and handling of them should be planned in advance. A graph is a symbolic drawing which shows relationships or makes comparisons. The most common types are the line and the bar graph. The selection of a graph for use in any given situation depends on the type of information the instructor wants to convey. Charts, diagrams, and graphs can be used effectively to show relationships, chronological changes, distributions, components, and flow. They are easy to construct and can be produced in the same manner as pictures. In addition, they can be drawn on a chalk or marker board and can be duplicated. Care must be taken to display only a small amount of material and to make the material as simple but meaningful as possible. Numerous other useful print items may be considered as supplemental training aids. Some of these include study guides, exercise books, course outlines, and syllabi. Well-designed course outlines are especially useful to students because they list the key points and help students organize note-taking during a lecture. Enhanced Training Materials Aviation instructors must cover a broad range of aeronautical knowledge and skill training for pilots and AMTs. The actual training requirements are based in the Code of Federal Regulations, CFR, and other publications used by designated pilot and maintenance examiners when they conduct practical tests. While aviation instructors are expected to be familiar with all regulatory training requirements, use of instructor-oriented training materials, which are enhanced for regulatory compliance, can be very beneficial for ensuring required training is being accomplished, endorsed, and properly documented. Whether working as an individual instructor or employed by a flight or maintenance school, the instructor must ensure that each student accomplishes a number of important benchmarks. Enhanced training materials that include these benchmarks can help aviation instructors complete, endorse, and document required training. For example, the training syllabi represent enhanced training material and contain provisions for instructor endorsements and record keeping. Such syllabi not only present the course of training in a logical step-by-step -step building block sequence, they contain provisions to remind both students and instructors of critical regulatory training benchmarks, which are approaching. Blocks for instructor endorsements may also be included at appropriate points. Provisions for logging training time can be incorporated so the syllabus can also serve as the training record for the student, instructor, or school. When required endorsements and record-keeping provisions 
are designed into training syllabi, it is much easier from the instructor's standpoint to conduct required training, track student progress, and certify records. The training record can be reviewed and the student's training status easily assessed in case the student transfers to another school or instructor. Another example of enhanced instructor-oriented material for pilot training is a maneuvers guide or handbook, which includes the PTS as an integral part of the description of maneuvers and procedures. Students learn from the beginning how to perform the maneuver or procedure and also become familiar with the performance criteria. Instructors need not refer to another document to evaluate student performance. The examiner for the airframe and power plant, ANP, is required to ask four questions in each of the subject areas, which are required by the regulations to be taught. The examiner also is required to assign a practical project from each subject area. Individual maintenance instructors, as well as publishers, have compiled a list of typical questions and projects. Use of these questions and projects as part of the syllabus helps an instructor ensure that all subject areas for a particular class have been covered. There are many ways to incorporate design features in training materials in order to facilitate regulatory compliance, required endorsements, and record keeping. Computer-based training can also be designed so that the progress of the student can be tracked and documented. As training becomes more detailed and complex, instructor-oriented materials can be a valuable instructional aid for aviation instructors. More information on enhanced training materials is presented in Chapter 6. Projected material. Traditional aids in this group include slides, film strips, and transparencies for overhead projection. In recent years, video, VHS compact discs, CDs, digital video discs, DVDs, or computer files, and computer slideshows incorporating text, graphics, video, and animation have pushed aside traditional training methods. Whatever type of projected training aid is used, it is essential for the content to be current and support the lesson. Use of projected materials requires planning and practice. The instructor should set up and adjust the equipment and lighting beforehand, and then preview the presentation. During a classroom session, the instructor should provide students with an overview of the presentation before showing it. After the presentation, the instructor should allow time for questions and a summary of key points. Computer-generated slideshows have changed the way information is presented to today's student. While a computer, screen, and projector may be needed for the classroom, a laptop computer may be all that is needed for the one-on-one -on -one presentation. These slideshows can be only bulleted information or incorporate animation and video clips. The instructor can tailor the presentation for the class and also include graphics at appropriate points. A wireless mouse can be used to activate the slide changes from anywhere in the room. Another convenient and cost-effective instructional aid is the overhead transparency and projector. Instructors can create their own overhead acetate or plastic transparencies, or they may be commercially produced ones. Material composed on a computer word processing and graphics program can also be printed into transparencies. The equipment can be placed at the front of the room allowing the instructor to maintain eye contact with the students, figure 4-18. The brilliant light source concentrated at a short distance makes it possible to use the projector in lighted areas. The instructor can also write on a blank transparency as the lesson progresses, 
much like a chalk or marker board. Additional transparencies can be overlaid onto the original to show development or buildup of an event or display. Overlays can be cut into various shapes and moved about in relation to the base transparency. This is a useful technique for displaying dial indications or fitting several parts of a component together so relative motion can be simulated. With any projection equipment, the instructors should ensure the projector does not obscure the student's line of sight. The projection angle should be adjusted to eliminate image distortion. Finally, although the overhead projector is simple to operate and requires little maintenance, it has disadvantages. Most projectors are bulky to handle and store, and the projector cooling fan may be noisy. Although vastly different from other projection equipment, the opaque projector reflects light from the surface of the picture or three-dimensional object onto a regular projection screen. The height of usable objects is limited to the space between the top of the lowered projection plate and the body of the projector, usually about two or three inches. The area of the picture or object is limited to approximately 10 inches by 10 inches. Items which may be projected are practically limitless. A postage stamp, typed material, textbook illustrations, or a defective spark plug are representative of the items that may be projected. This equipment is especially adapted to enlarging diagrams and small charts for display purposes. Since the material projected requires no special preparation, the cost is very low. Many of the limitations of the overhead projector are also true of the opaque projector. Video CD and DVDs are today's popular video instructional aids. Some educators believe that television and the film industry have produced a visual culture that has actually changed the way people learn. Passive video, or video that the student watches like a movie, provide motion, color, sound, and in many cases, special effects with advanced graphic and animation techniques. High-quality, commercially produced CDs and DVDs are available for almost every aviation training subject. Consequently, CDs and DVDs have replaced many of the projection-type instructional aids. For instructors, the convenience of CDs and DVDs is certainly an advantage. The capability to stop, freeze, and replay information is helpful for both instructors and students. CDs and DVDs and the associated equipment, although more expensive than some of the more basic instructional aid equipment, are fairly economical. Unlike other forms of projected material, CDs and DVDs can also be played on a laptop computer. On the other hand, CDs and DVDs offer their own disadvantages. Students are often accustomed to dramatic, action-packed movies or games designed as entertainment. They also tend to watch movies or TV in a passive way without attempting to absorb what they are seeing and hearing. Instructional CVDs and DVDs, in comparison, are perceived as much less exciting and less stimulating visually. This, coupled with an inattentive viewing style, can diminish the instructional value of the CD or DVD. As is true for any instructional aid, instructors need to follow some basic guidelines when using CDs and DVDs. For example, the presentation is not designed to replace the instructor. Prior planning and rehearsal will help determine the important points and concepts that should be stressed, either during the presentation or as part of a summary. Instructors should also try to prepare students for viewing CD-DVD programs by telling them what to watch carefully, what is important, or possibly what is incorrect. In addition, 
Instructors should be available to summarize the presentation and answer any questions the students may have regarding content. Interactive CDs and DVDs Interactive refers broadly to computer software that responds quickly to certain choices and commands by the user. A typical system consists of a CD or DVD and a computer. A major advantage of CDs and DVDs is the capability to store enormous amounts of information. As an example, a single CD or DVD may contain all pertinent aviation regulations plus the complete AIM. With search and find features incorporated, a CD or DVD is a powerful information source. The software may include additional features such as image banks with full color photos and graphics, as well as questions or directions which are programmed to create interactivity for students as they progress through the course. The questions or directions are programmed using a branching technique which provides several possible courses of action for the user to choose in order to move from one sequence to another. For example, a program may indicate, that was incorrect, go back to, and try again. Interactive CDs and DVDs solve one of the main problems of passive video in that it increases involvement of the student in the learning process. Well-designed interactive video, when properly used, is highly effective as an instructional aid. Each student essentially receives a customized learning experience. Computer-Assisted Learning CAL. As mentioned earlier, Computer-Assisted Learning CAL, has become a popular training delivery method. In its basic form, CAL is a combination of more than one instructional media, such as audio, text, graphics, and video or film, usually shown on a PC. With CAL, the roles of both a student and instructor change. Students become more involved in their own learning, and instructors may no longer occupy a center stage position in a typical classroom setting. Instead, instructors become supportive facilitators. As such, they serve as guides or resource experts and circulate among students who are working individually or in small groups. This results in considerable one-on-one -on -one instructor student interaction. Thus, the instructor provides assistance, reinforcement, and answers for those who need it most. In this situation, the CAL should be considered as an add-on instructional aid to improve traditional classroom instruction. The instructor, although no longer the center of attention, must continue to maintain complete control over the learning environment to ensure learning objectives have been achieved. Figure 4-19 a more advanced application of computer-based training may involve less instructor control. For example, a laboratory-type environment may be configured with separate study areas for each student. With this setup, the physical facility is usually referred to as a learning center or training center. Students in these centers are often monitored by a teacher's aide or other trained personnel who can provide guidance, answer questions, and act as a conduit to the instructor who is responsible for the training. In this case, the responsible instructor needs to establish procedures to make sure the required training is accomplished, since he or she must certify student competency at the end of the course. Models, Mockups, and Cutaways Models, Mockups, and Cutaways are additional instructional aids. A model is a copy of a real object. 
It can be an enlargement, a reduction, or the same size as the original. The scale model represents an exact reproduction of the original, while simplified models do not represent reality in all details. Some models are solid, show only the outline of the object they portray, while others can be manipulated or operated. Although a model may not be a realistic copy of an actual piece of equipment, it can be used effectively in explaining operating principles of various types of equipment. Models are especially adaptable to small group discussions in which students are encouraged to ask questions. A model is even more effective if it works like the original and it can be taken apart and reassembled. With the display of an operating model, the students can observe how each part works in relation to the other parts. When the instructor points to each part of the model while explaining these relationships, the students can better understand the mechanical principles involved. As instructional aids, models are usually more practical than originals because they are lightweight and easy to manipulate. A mock-up is a three-dimensional or specialized type of working model made from real or synthetic materials. It is used for study, training, or testing in place of the real object, which is too costly or too dangerous, or which is impossible to obtain. The mock-up may emphasize or highlight elements or components for learning and eliminate non-essential elements. Cutaways, another type of model, are built in sections and can be taken apart to reveal the internal structure. Whenever possible, the various parts should be labeled or colored to clarify relationships. Production and equipment costs are limiting factors to consider in developing and using models, mock-ups, and cutaways. Depending on the nature of the representation, cost can vary. For instance, scale replicas are often very expensive. In general, if a two-dimensional representation will satisfy the instructor's requirement, it should be used. Test Preparation Material Test preparation material applies to an array of paper, video, and computer software products that are designed by commercial publishers to help students prepare for FAA tests. While test preparation materials may be effective in preparing students for FAA tests, the danger is that students may learn to pass a given test but fail to learn other critical information essential to safe piloting and maintenance practices. In addition, FAA inspectors and designated examiners have found that student applicants often exhibit a lack of knowledge during oral questioning, even though many have easily passed the FAA knowledge test. A shortcoming of test preparation materials is that the emphasis is on rote learning, which is the lowest of all levels of learning. Test preparation materials, as well as instructors that dwell on teaching the test, are shortchanging student applicants. All instructors who use test preparation publications should stress that these materials are not designed as standalone learning tools. They should be considered as a supplement to instructor-led training. Future Developments Electronic communications, including the use of computer databases, voicemail, email, internet, World Wide Web, and satellite-based wireless communications, are routine, and this explosion of information access affects aviation training. It will be even more significant in the future. Computer technology continues to advance in quantum leaps, challenging traditional ways of teaching. For example, voice recognition technology, which lets computers accept spoken rather than keyed input, is highly effective for technical training. Miniature electro-optical devices 
allow computer-aided information to be projected electronically on sunglass-style eyewear, which is connected to a lightweight, belt-mounted computer. Computer-aided information is particularly useful for aviation maintenance activities. For example, it would be possible for a technician's eyes to easily move back and forth from computer-generated technical details to the actual hardware while diagnosing and correcting a maintenance problem. Trends in training indicate a shift from the typical classroom to more extensive use of lab-type environment with computer work or study stations. Using simulation devices, computer networks, and multimedia programs, students become more actively involved and responsible for their own training. Aviation-related learning centers are usually associated with colleges, universities, and research centers. The airlines, as well as aeronautical programs at some colleges and universities, have used similar facilities for many years. Another type of computer-based technology, virtual reality, VR, creates a sensory experience that allows a participant to believe and hardly distinguish a virtual experience from a real one. VR uses graphics with animation systems, sounds, and images to reproduce electronic versions of real-life experiences. Despite enormous potential, VR, in its current stage of development, has drawbacks. It is extremely expensive, and versions with head-mounted display sometimes produce unfavorable side effects. For those engaged in aviation training, the challenge is staying abreast of technological changes that apply to training and adopting those that are the most useful and cost-effective. Since much of the new technology is based on computer technology, instructors with well-developed computer skills are in demand. Although the explosion of training technology offers new opportunities, instructors must remember their main teaching goals and be selectively receptive to new possibilities. Electronic information on computer networks and bulletin boards is from commercial providers as well as community, state, and national government agencies. There is no guarantee that all of this information is current or even accurate. Chapter Summary As indicated by this discussion, the teaching process organizes the material an instructor wishes to teach in such a way that the learner understands what is being taught. An effective instructor uses a combination of teaching methods as well as instructional aids to achieve this goal. By being well-prepared, an effective instructor presents and applies lesson material and also periodically assesses how well the learner is learning. An effective instructor never stops learning. He or she maintains currency in the subject matter being taught, as well as how to teach it by reading professional journals and other aviation publications, many of which can be viewed or purchased via the Internet, as another source of valuable information for professional instructors. End of Part 3 of Chapter 4